0: This is On The Grid, powered by theracetalk.com, on mypodcasthouse.com. day, everyone and welcome to another episode of On The Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com. Of course On The Grid is powered by theracetalk.com and speaking of The Race Talk, very shortly we're going to catch up with Richard Crowell, big weekend in Townsville, special guest today Tim Edwards is going to join us of course from Tickford Racing, team principal there we'll have a chat to him about how things are going and also we're going to be joined by Cooper Murray. Porsche Pace Carrera Cup Australia ran up at Townsville this weekend. Cooper Murray a 17 year old and he won all three races to win the round up there in Townsville. A spectacular effort for him at McElroy Racing and we'll catch up with Cooper and find out how he did it very shortly. But first of all let's catch up with Crowley. As we say day to Richard Crowley. How are you Crowley? Chabex, really well, thank you. Very good weekend
1: up in North Queensland. It's a little bit damp, which was a
0: surprise. Yeah, it certainly was a little bit damp for us up in North Queensland. It was also damp around the Mildura area where this man was for the weekend, watching his boys do some bike racing. We say a very good day to the team principal of Tickford Racing, uh, Tim Edwards. Good day, Tim. Yeah, how are you guys? Excellent. Uh, first of all, just quickly, uh, your weekend entitled uh, had some amazing bike racing going on.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, they, um, they had a desert race, which is a huge off-road event. Seven hundred and fifty odd competitors. It's, uh, it's a big event over three days up there, and uh, we've done it for the last few years. And uh, it's, um, yeah, it's just a magnificent event. So uh, it's one that my boys, you know, love doing, and um, and you know, it's great to be up there doing it as a family. But it's, uh, yeah, it was quite an event this year. It, uh, by, by the definition of the name, had a desert race. You expect it to be dry and sandy, and <laughs> which it has been for the last 40 years. But uh, this year, at the 20 minutes into the into the race on Sunday, the heavens opened and uh, and, and put parts of the track over a metre underwater. Uh, it was a, a very, very different pattern this year.
0: Well, isn't that funny, Richard? Because by definition of a Townsville race, you expect it to be dry and uh, sunny as well. But we didn't have that yeah. either.
2: No,
1: first time in ten runnings that they threw wet tires on the cars. Kim, it was a crazy old weekend up in the supercars. But what's the what's the washout from Pickford racing's point of view? I thought you guys had a great weekend. Really competitive across both races and in qualifying. Um and you'd have to say that Chas Mostert, for one, but Cam Waters especially, I thought, have a, a terrific weekend, terrific lap in the shootout on Sunday and a good drive, despite some adversity, to get back on the podium in in
2: race eighteen. Yeah, look, I mean, it's uh, you know, for me, uh, our measure of success is having more four of our cars up there, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know, you've seen particularly over the last couple of rounds, we've we've been able to achieve that, and you know, with Lee's really starting to hit his strides, he's figured out how to qualify a car, and you know, we always knew that he could race well, and um, and so he's you know, he's consistently up there with the other boys now, and then yeah, it's. For, for cam and uh and Chaz, you know they had, they had a very strong weekend, so you know it was a team where we are pretty happy you know, clearly would have liked a race win you know you qualify in p one and you'd like to finish p one but I think it was um yeah it was a it was a very measured drive by cam, you know he had certain periods of the race where you know clearly he was the fastest car in the field, and you know you saw as they took off from the line and you know, he just left the field behind, so he was really comfortable in in those conditions, which, which was um, which was great, and then there's other parts that, that Chaz was clearly the dominant one. You know, when they were on wet tyres, he was blazing through the field. Um, uh, yeah, look, you know, really strong result by the team, and um, you know, it's been a lot of hard work. You know, we know the the Penske cars, in particular, one of them is is the is the measure of the field, and we've been working hard to um, to actually bridge the gap. But I think you know we're making some inroads there.
0: Uh, you, you mentioned Lee. I thought it was a great drive from him as well, as you said, Tim. Uh, a pair of uh, top tens for him. So he really starts to be, he really looks to be setting his, uh, getting his straps now And uh, that's fantastic for yeah. the second half of the year coming up to the Enduros. Yeah, yeah definitely. You
2: know, you know there's no, no secret at the start of the year he was struggling to qualify. You know, he was still getting some reasonable results, um, but he just couldn't qualify as well as his teammates. And he sort of with he started to get his head around the car, and we've started to understand him a bit better as well. And um, you know, his relationship with his with his engineer, with Sam Scuffidi, has, um, has, has been getting better and better. And, um, and you know, now they've got that sort of an understanding. You know, you're starting to see some um, some better results. So, yeah, it's really really encouraging. You mentioned that you, you sort of form
1: guide is having all of your cars in the ten, and as it stands, despite a tough day for Will Davo on Sunday all four of your cars are in the top 10 of the championship. I mean, that's a a massive achievement that probably isn't recognized enough, Tim, in that in this day and age where it's so competitive, where there's so many good outfits and good drivers in the paddock, to get all four cars into the top 10 of this championship in particular is huge. Do Do you get an opportunity to sit back and go, you know what, that's actually a pretty big thing for us to have achieved at this point of the season?
2: Uh, well, you, you do. I mean, and, and that's why I mentioned it, really, because mm. a lot of people don't give us credit for it. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. You know, with you know 2015, we had three cars that were, were were fighting it out at the front, but we've we've never been out of You know, we've had quite a few goes at running the four cars, and for one reason or another, they haven't all quite panned out. Um, um, and, you know, you start to get a bit of a label that, oh, well, they don't care about that fourth car and all that sort of nonsense. But, um, you know, we've always run all four of our cars, you know, with the, the same resources behind them. doesn't matter who the driver of that car or the owner of that team or whatever, whether it was us or whether it was uh, uh, another party. You know, we've always put the same effort into running all four cars. And um,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and it's great that, you know, they the, the stars of a line this year and we've actually got um, all four of them yeah, you like know, all four drivers, all four engineers, all four crews of mechanics, you know, that it's just gelling in um, in so many areas. So it's um it's quite rewarding, you know, for the team and uh, and as you say, it does often go unnoticed that um, um that, that you know, we are running four cars very successfully.
0: Mm. Tim, explain to us, you've obviously got the the four Mustangs. DJR Team Penske has two Mustangs. They've got one that is leading the championship and leading quite substantially. In your eyes, what's the difference between... Sorry, in your eyes, what's the difference between what you've got and what they've got?
2: I mean, I think, you know, one of their cars, you know, we we can um, uh, beat, you know. So it's really, there's one guy that's... Dominating at the moment, and you we've know, we've all seen it plenty of times in the past. You know, we saw it for a period with Win You know, you saw it for for years with Michael Schumacher. You know, it's it's not unheard of to have drivers that they just for whatever reason, whether it's a confidence thing, they can just drive it. You know, point one of a second better than their You know, because of that 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 confidence. Um, you know, there's definitely a driver contribution to to how well. Um, that team is going because as I say I think mechanically our car is very close to theirs you know I think um, yeah, we can race with them and the fact you know we're, we've been chipping away at it and Cam actually pulled it off on the weekend he qualified the, the master of qualifying mm. which is Scotty Mack so they're not unbeatable and we certainly don't think that they're unbeatable and that's why we're, we're pushing as hard as we can um, but you know there's not one thing it's not like I'm going to sit here and say oh it's it's their dampers or it's their engine or it's their, you know, whatever, you know, yeah. these cars, there's a hundred thousand reasons why they're quick, you know, all, and it's all those little, um, uh, small, you know, the one percenters, so to speak, that, that, that make up a competitive car. You know, there is, there's no silver bullet. There's not one thing that, 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 takes you from, you know, where we are, which is, is pretty close and, you know, when you think about it, you know, we've got lap times that are separated by hundreds. Mm. And when you actually ext- and extrapolate that out over a, a circuit that may have 13 corners, so 13 times you're braking, 13 times you're cornering, 13 times you're accelerating, 13 times you're hitting the curb, and you can still all arrive back at the start finish line, hundreds apart. Um, you know, we, we saw it up in Darwin, you know, everybody was saying, oh, cup's, you know, struggling, blah, blah, blah. He didn't make the top 10 shootout because he was 11. And he was point zero four or zero zero four off tenth. Well, that you can hardly say someone's struggling when they're when they're that far off. So yeah, I, I think we've got to we've got to try and qualify better because I think if we can qualify it in front of um, Scotty Mac, we've got half a chance of beating him. But when he sticks it on pole, you're making the life easy for the bloke because then you know we're all. We're all in the train behind him, and he's got clear air and cooler brakes and drives the lines he wants to drive and doesn't, you know, and he, and he appears to drive away. But you know, that's just the result of qualifying at the front and leading from the front.
1: Uh, obviously, driver talk's been a, a big subject in the last couple of months here. And I've
2: oh, really? It. I hadn't
1: I hadn't heard yeah. had it either. No,
2: no. I don't follow any of this social media rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm breaking news, and...
1: I didn't actually want to talk about Chaz. Uh, I wanted to talk about Cam because we, we touched earlier on how good his performance was on the weekend and especially given uh, ran down the escape road at two and then was helped down the escape road at three when Kerkat whacked him later on in the race and still got the podium. Um, he, stand down 500 a couple of years ago aside, he feels like a driver that while Chaz has been the headline show, I suppose, in the ticket camp, Cam's not far away from that one weekend where it all just seems to gel and and he he does a
2: McLaughlin and smokes them, does he? He's
1: so close to having that big performance. Is that the vibe you're getting as well from the, the monster car?
2: Yeah, well, it's nice to hear somebody else has noticed because I'd certainly noticed. <laughs> I mean, and, and I'd suggest it's probably a little frustrating for Cam when you know it's all the line lights about jazz, jazz, jazz. Um, you know, Call him the quiet achiever, but... You know, had he not had the little um, run-in with um, uh, Scotty Mack at, um while driving to the grid as oh, yeah. you know P one and P two um, in in uh, uh, in Melbourne and costing himself you know 100 points there and um, and what have Something happened in Adelaide as well, oh, in the cool suit issue in Adelaide. Right. Um, without those two, um, he would be <laughs> well and truly in the hunt. Um, you know, for a top three spot in the championship. So um, you know, he's been quietly been going about his business, nobody really talking about him, but i have certainly been watching, <laughs> noticing yeah. um, but uh, but obviously a lot of people other people haven't. Yeah,
1: well, yeah. Oh, I it's, it's it's such a dominant story, the whole silly season and stuff, isn't it? But, but oh, when you well,
2: call- uh, yeah. It, it's funny. I mean, you know, it's it's what, once, once the media or some of the media pick up on a story, they just run with it. You know, it's a bit like Anton de Pasquale. You know, everybody talks about him. You know, he's the the new etc. It's um, you know, it's uh, it, it's so much driven by you guys actually to uh, who, who the flavour of the month is and who's go, who's going to be the story of the month, and uh, and then then the then the snowball effect takes over. Hmm.
0: Tim, does it disappoint you that? In regards to Chaz, then that people are looking for reasons why he should be leaving, as opposed to why he may be staying. Uh,
2: yeah, obviously, but you know, I've been around the sport for over thirty years, so I'm uh, I'm pretty thick-skinned to it. Really, um, it's um, you know, the media have yeah, got to generate headlines and and uh, and sensationalise things to um, so that people actually listen or read what they're. Uh, or watch what they're um what they're producing. So that's just the uh, that's just the nature of the industry, really. You know, we we put ourselves in the in the public domain. You know that's that's where we're in. We're in the entertainment business. We're in show business. You know, we, you know yes, we're a sport, but we're here to create interest, and then all those sort of things create interest.
0: In any way, yeah, does it, you, sorry, if I could just Richard, in any way does that make yeah. it tough for you to negotiate? With with all that talk on the outside about you know and and one would have thought that maybe when the the gate to uh, D J R team Pensky was shut with the signing of Fabian Coulthard, that things might have quietened down but it actually seemed to raise because then everyone's going oh well, he's not going there so where is he going <laughs> just there was there's no indication that anyone seems to think that he possibly will stay with you guys yeah well there you go yeah I'd look.
2: We'll, we'll leave people to speculate, and, um, and when we've got something to talk about, we'll, uh, we'll talk about it. But it, um, yeah, it's never great because it's, you know, when all this, you know, whatever the speculation is, you know, whether it was Frosting last year or, you know, it, it's a it's a distraction for not only the driver, but it's a distraction for the team because, mm. you, you know, everybody's going, oh, what's going on? And then you've got sponsors ringing up and asking what's going on, and you've got our members asking what's going on. So, you know, it's just a distraction that, we're, you don't really need but you know you know. both parties have to work through a process and um, the more you're working through that process people will speculate away. Well that, that was
1: sort of going to be my next question was how from a team management point of view do you have to or do you find yourself doing anything different to manage this process not necessarily with Chaz, but with your guys do they come to you and go hey what's going on with our driver and do you have to Manage that internally from a, a business point of view, um,
2: any different than you usually would. Uh oh, yeah. Look, you know, when we have our team briefings, you know, you, you, you're bound to say something, but you know, clearly while you're working through it, you can't say too much. So, and most of the people who work for us have been around the sport long enough; they they know, you know, it, it's, it's it's very difficult. You often get challenged for you know other you know not communicating with the team well enough, but that's because they get on speed cafe and they yeah. they read. On there and they think, oh, well, why didn't the team tell us that? Well, maybe because it's not true. <laughs> <But Yeah. laughs> it doesn't matter. You, fight, you often find yourself defending you know, yourself um, yeah. for no other reason that someone's put a speculative story out and then you're being challenged about, well, why didn't you tell us? Well, maybe because it's not true. Yeah. I thought about that, but it doesn't work like that. You, know, you just, they just yeah. expect them to know and, and you've got to explain why you didn't tell them that it's not true.
0: Tim, take us through the. Uh, we've had some changes happen throughout the year in regards to different cars, and the uh, the ZB Commodore, of course, got there a little bit of a, a, an aero change, uh, I think, or a, a parity sort of type change up in Darwin. And now we hear that uh, there's going to be this centre of gravity change. How is that going to affect uh, everyone? Well, I mean,
2: that, this is just a logical thing to, to to happen. I mean, obviously, we all got ballasted up to the to the to the Nissan, which is a Called the lowest common denominator, so we all have to go up to that. Um, you know, nobody likes the fact that we've had to bolt a lot of lead into 20 cars on the grid, um, and so we've been, you know, certainly from a, from a supercars and a commission point of view, thinking about how else we could do it, and um, and then obviously, with the sort of supercars came, to, you know, in conjunction with the. With the homologating team, Nissan about moving some of their engine ballast, which normally you wouldn't allow, because, but now that you've got a, full, you know, clearly before we had the centre of gravity of the engine, but not the rest of the car. Now the engine, now we're doing the whole car, including the engine. What we're doing is is moving the centre of gravity of the Nissan's engine, um, to to lower their C of G, which allows the other twenty cars to also lower their centre of gravity. So it's absolutely the right thing to do. It means all the holdings get to remove all of the lead they put in their roofs. Yeah. So they've got none up there. And we get to take about another nine kilos out of the – the Mustangs still have some lead up there, but nine kilos less. So at least now there is only six cars with any um, lead in the roof rather than 20 cars. So it's – it's definitely the right thing for the, for the sport and it's, um, it's good that supercars have sort of worked through a process with Nissan to allow this to happen.
1: Uh, let, let's talk about something that's not driver market or parity. Uh, just give us the, the team owners or team bosses point of view from the impact that, that Mustangs had. It's obviously created so much discussion from that performance aspect and the fact that it's dominating and the parity stuff that's been going on. But what about Commercially, what about with your sponsor group? And your team's always been well-known for having great sponsors and, and your car sponsored up and looking great and good commercial partners. What, what's been the reaction? Because it's, it's a massive change for the sport. We're, we're six months in now to this Mustang program. What are the positives? What have you found that's gone, yeah, that's that's been a really good tick in the box for, for going through this process of
2: bringing in the new car? Well, to be honest, I think it's rejuvenated the sport. You know, if you look at the the Fox rating, Foxtel ratings this year, they're up by, you know, over 10%, you know, and I think a large percentage of that is attributed to the Mustangs. You know, it's just, you know, we've got Ford back involved in the sport after they, you know, they you know, walked away three or four years ago. So I think that's another great positive for the sport that, you know, and I think, you know, whether it's directly related or not, you know, that's... Now got Holden to recommit to the sport. So I think, you know, certainly having Ford back engaged in the sport, and they really are engaged in, in the sport. You know, it's, it's 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 really good, much more than they ever were, um, even when they were supporting us um, up until three four years ago. So I think that's been great. And I think, you know, to to be fair, that you know, I'm a Falcon fan myself, but you know, it, the old girl was getting along in the suit. You know, essentially. It was an eleven-year-old car because the FGX was really just a a grill and a and headlight change to the FG. So you know, the car was eleven years old. You know, we were well and truly um, due for uh, something new and fresh. And I think you know it. It, it wasn't a. Yeah, I think Scotty did, Mac did an amazing job to actually win the championship with that car last mm. year up against the ZB. So you know, we needed our freshener, and I think it. You know, we've been working hard on a lot of things in the background, and people like to put down the, our success this year just the fact that we changed to a Mustang. But that is grossly incorrect. You know, there's been so much work done on engine and suspension and dampers and um, in the background. Um, that, you know, putting it in a Mustang just you know, just complimented it, and so you know, if you look at Penske. They're performing as well as they were last year, and really, it's us that's stepped up, and that's you know, come from a lot of hard work in a lot of other areas that are 100 percent not Mustang related. So, it's, um, yeah, look, I think it's been a great. It's been great for the sport, and you know, it's been great for our fan base um, uh, to have the new car come in this year.
0: Jim, were you a little bit surprised on the weekend on the fact that, uh, and Ford coming back into the sport last year and in regards to this year, where there was a lot of fanfare about that and rightly so. It was great to have them back. But the announcement of Holden recommitting to the sport was done basically under stealth to an extent. Were you surprised about that? Uh, yes, yeah. Yeah, yes,
2: absolutely. But, uh, yeah, look, I think it's a positive, 100%. But, yeah, um, yeah I mean, each to their own. I mean, Ford were pretty proud that they were coming back into the sport and that's why they made a big fanfare about it. Um, I suppose from a whole perspective they were just recommitting to the sport rather than coming back after not being here, so maybe they didn't feel it was uh, such a big deal or maybe they just thought it was just a fate of complete that they were always going to do it. So um, you know they had no, no desire to make a big fanfare about it. But look you know, regardless of the way they announced it, I still think it's a, it's great for the sport that they have recommitted. Last one for me,
1: let's let's look forward. Um, two sprint rounds now before the Enduro, so we meet to Queensland Raceway. Um, of course, we've got Pukakoe in there as well. Um, just, just give us your, your your crystal ball in for the next couple of sprint rounds, and then obviously Enduro season kicks off at Mount Panorama, and, and that's always an event you guys have, have stepped up and have got a great track record there over the last decade. So what, what's the vibe within the team going forward to these next couple of key rounds, and then... Obviously, in zero season coming up, not that far away, scarily
2: enough. Yeah, not far at all. Oh, look, the, the, the vibes. you know, keep doing what we're doing. I think, you know, if we can keep having four cars in the top 10, invariably you're going to have cars on the podium and, you know, we've got a pole position and, you know, I don't think another win's too far away. So I think, you know, the fact as a group where we're just getting better and better all the time, um, you know, you can get on a a bit of momentum going. Um, you, know, you know, Cam stuck it on pole so I can give you the tip that, you know, the other three drivers are all thinking, well, it's our third now, you know, if he can do it, so can we. So, um so they're all gonna be trying to do that and like I said earlier, if we can qualify in front of um um the qualifying master, Scotty, um we've got half a chance of beating him in the race. So um our goal is going to be continue what we're doing, and we've got more development parts coming in mind um, over the next couple of months as well. So we just keep chipping away at it, just keep trying to find those. Well, I call them one percenters, but they're really point one of a percenters because there's, there's, there's so many things. But um, yeah, it, it's it's much of the same. You know, we've just got to keep doing what we're doing. You know, the seems very focused at the moment. You know, we know what we're you we know what we're trying to achieve and. And then we go to Bathurst, and you know, that's Bathurst, Bathurst. You go there and you only want one thing out of it, and then that's a win. Cause nobody knows who finished second or third. I can't remember who finished second or third for the last decade, but I can pretty much tell you who won, because um, that's the only thing that matters at Bathurst. So we're going there to win that one.
0: I remember, Jamie, we kept running out of petrol. That sort of sticks <laughs> in my mind, but
2: that's about it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, that's another interesting one, because a lot of people didn't really give credit, the credit where it was due there. He only ran out of petrol because the bloke behind him was doing qualifying laps and pushing him to run out of petrol. Had Chaz not been, you know, I mean, it was 15 laps to go. Chaz set the fastest lap of the race yeah. um, with a mortally wounded car. Had he not been pushing that hard, um, it would have allowed Jamie to back off. And, and so that car behind him just tipped. it was relentless. And, he, and, you know, I actually think you know, Chaz forced him to run out of fuel
0: that's no, a fickle. We could,
2: we could do we could do an entire podcast on that race. Documentaries have already been made
1: about it. It's one of the, <laughs> yeah. one of the great moments in the sport. Hey, yeah.
0: Tim, thanks, thanks for your, thanks for your time, mate. Really do appreciate it, and uh, congratulations on how the team is performing throughout 2019. And I don't know, maybe the uh, maybe the 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 team's championship is is done and dusted with the way Scotty's just belting everyone. But uh, if you guys would have finished second, I thought I think that'd be a major achievement.
2: Yeah, that's certainly
0: the goal. Beautiful stuff. Thanks for your time, mate, as always, Tim. No worries. Cheers, guys. Tim Edwards joining us here on The Grid. This is On The Grid on mypodcasthouse.com. All right, Crowley, uh, from a guy that's been in the business for a long time, and we speak of Tim Edwards, to a guy that's just really starting in the business, and what a fantastic way to start his first season in Porsche Carrera Cup this year.
1: Yeah, and Cooper Murray, the winner of round five of the championship, joins us on the line. Cooper, congratulations, mate. That was an outstanding weekend by you. Fifth different winner from five rounds, but forget about that. In the same weekend, qualified on profile poll, you set a record for biggest chance for race winning margin on two occasions. You won all three races. You won your first round. I wouldn't have thought weekends get too much better than the one you
3: just had. No, me either. Um, That weekend was basically perfect. From practice, we had a fast car and qualifying on pro-class pole position on the front row and then going on to win every single race and get a few records along the way. It was was a perfect weekend. Uh, It was amazing. I I couldn't have thought going into the weekend I would have ended up like that.
0: Cooper, take us through your mindset in all three races you got off the line so well and basically went straight out the front and, as Richard said, some amazing margins. I think it was five seconds or so in the first race but 11 plus seconds in the second race, mm. the margin over the enduro race. Take us through your mindset in those races mm. and the, the the fact that you were being hunted and not the hunter.
3: Well, I knew it's so hard to pass in that class. The cars are all the same, basically, so it's Basically, all down in the driver, and I knew if I could get the start and lead the first lap, I knew it'd be very hard to lose the race unless I made mistakes. So, um, my mindset was just to get the start, um, lead the first few laps, and I knew after that if I started to build a gap, which I had the confidence, McLaren um, gave me an amazing car to do that, that I'd go on and win the race, and that we did.
1: Uh, your your season hasn't been straightforward though. You've had a a change in environment mid-season, so you've moved across to McElroy Racing. Just talk about the impact that that change has had and and what you needed to do from your mindset and from your driving to come to terms with being in a a different crew to the one that you raced in Cup Challenges last year and in the first couple of rounds this year and
3: how that sort of affected your progress and, and is that something that contributed to the performance on the weekend? Yeah, well, definitely moving to Macraway Racing has been a big help because I'm working alongside Warren Love, and I'm a pro driver that's very fast. So we can compare data, um, compare track maps, try different things on the car and see what's faster. So having that other pro driver there to work together with, um, so we are both at the front, that helps. And that's something I haven't had recently um, in a Porsche. So that's been majorly instrumental in getting me up to the front and um, getting those race wins on the weekend.
1: The, I think Luffy as well, Shebex was saying that he's getting something out of it as well. He's loving having you to bounce ideas off, yeah. and and he gets the same out of it. He's got some data to look at as well, where he was the only pro in that team coming into the second half of the championship. So it, it looks like to me it's been a, a bit of a two-way street, and you two are,
3: are getting along really well. Yeah, it is. Um, me and Luffy get along like a house on fire. Um yeah, we just we compare everything with each other. Um, it's it's been huge for both of us. Uh, it was it's been hard for the first half of the year, because me and Lucky have both been a single car pro driver in the team. So um, and you've got the likes of Sonic where they've got four pro drivers. So they're they've got a lot more data to look at from four drivers where me and Lucky only had one, and now we've got each other's bounce off, and you can see already it's helping a lot.
0: The competition in Porsche Cura Cup, uh, Cooper, is as strong as it's ever been. Uh, you're coming up against drivers with the names of, of these guys, Dale Wood, Warren Luff, uh, those sort of blokes, David Wall, of course, 2017 champion in the, uh, in the category. It must be so inspiring for you to know that you can not only race with these guys but now actually beat them. It is,
3: and up until that weekend in Townsville um, – It's been really hard. Um, I've been around the top five mark, but uh, yeah, the competition, it's elite in the class. And uh, now that I know that I've got the potential and I can win in the class, we've definitely moved our markers forward for the rest of the season and we're definitely going for more race
1: What? So, I mean, championship aside, and and it's going to be tough for anyone to beat uh, Starwood now because he's so far in front, he's almost... I think he's actually still a full round in front on points after the weekend. So probably not an outright championship, given you had a tough start to the season as well. But what's the goal for the second half of the year? And you're only 17. You've absolutely got time on your side. So what's in the short-term plans for you and where can you see your career progressing from Carrera Cup? Or do you go around again and have another year?
3: Yeah, so obviously for the rest of the year, um, we've spoken Macarayans. We're not worried about the championship. Um, We've had a tough first half of the year, which has affected our championship a lot. So, for the rest of the year, our main game or our main aim is to go out and get as many race wins and top threes as we can and prove that we're fast enough and that we can go into the championship next year as a major contender to win that championship and to win the junior championship as well, the junior, uh, Porsche Michelin junior program, then go over to Europe and Try to what Matt Campbell and Jackson Evans has done. Um, it's 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 worked with McElroy. Um Both their drivers have done two years in the Crow Cup. One in their second year, gone over to Europe. Then the next year after that, after winning that junior program. So that's our main aim, and that's what we're working towards.
0: I tell you what, though, Cooper. If you if you have a great round again at the Bend, which is the next round for Porsche Pace Carrera Cup, and you were to win all three races at the Bend, just yes, say, you're only 90 points from winning that Michelin Junior Championship now. I mean, the, the possibility is if if something bad, if some bad luck happens to the two guys, the other two guys in Cameron Hill and Jordan Love, that could be there for yours at the next round.
3: Yeah, that's another thing to think about as well. So, Audrey Townsville was a major help in our points that junior program, and going into the round, I think we we're a couple hundred points off. You now we're under a hundred points. So another good round, Townsend, Ben, could most likely um, bring you right up there, but Townsend Ben is the last round for that championship, so it, it'd be a tight one if it was to happen.
1: What uh, so, so the goals? Europe and, and Porsche has shown that, and you cited Matt Campbell and Jackson Evans as proof that it works. I mean, that the program's so attractive, isn't it? Is that why you've gone down this route? Because it's uh, one of the few categories in Australia that gives you a, a legitimate pathway to going overseas without having an uber-rich family and lots of backers to tip in to make it happen. Is that why you've gone down this quarter route? Definitely. It's,
3: it's the best thing in my eyes um, for my career and then it's the thing, it's what I'd love to do. I'd love to be a Porsche factory driver uh, over in Europe and race Porsches every weekend for a living. Um, and it's just what I'd love to do, and Michelin are giving me a chance as well to make that happen.
0: So, Cooper, you mentioned what your uh, what your expectations are for the remainder of this year and how you're going to play that out and what might happen next year. Five years, ten years down the track, close your eyes, where would you like to be? What would you be doing?
3: Uh, I'd love to be... Uh, Le Mans 24-hour winner and um, a Porsche or a uh, world endurance, world endurance champion—that um, would be an amazing thing. And that's my that's my dream. And competing sports cars with Porsche competitively and win races. Well, I
1: will tell you what, mate. About four years ago, I had a similar conversation with a young bloke by the name of Matt Campbell uh, after a Genie 3 Cup Challenge end of year function. And he gave a very similar answer to that, and uh, he's won the Le Mans 24-hour in a a GTE AM car, and he's racing in World Endurance Championship, and he's paid money to race Porsches pretty much every weekend at the most famous races in the world. So, uh, four years' time, I expect uh, you to join us on this podcast, if it's still going, and uh, tell us what you've been winning
3: recently in one-make Porsche racing, mate, because I think it's very achievable well let's hope so fingers crossed and uh, well, we'll come back in four years and have the same conversation So we are we're we'll locking in now Shabek
0: well I want to know why you didn't think it might be around in four years time
1: well have what, confidence don't think the podcast... <laughs>
0: come on why not <laughs> no it will be get, no. I'm happy I'm hoping it will be <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> and I'm hoping you will be too hey, we'll... keeper
1: yes yeah, thank you no, well, well done mate super performance on the weekend and uh, I'm pretty certain it's the first of many wins to come well done Thank you very much,
0: Cooper Murray, joining us here on the grid. Oh, Richard, what a an amazing weekend it was. We we just heard from Cooper there. Did exactly what Jackson Evans did last year in Darwin. Wins his first race and then wins all three on the weekend. Cooper won his first, won all three in Townsville. We heard from Tim Edwards talk about the performance of Tickford. Let's talk about the performance of Shane Van Gisbergen as well and uh, what a turnaround it was for him. Yeah, huge.
1: It was an incredible weekend of racing and and arguably the the Saturday race was really entertaining. I thought there were some good scraps and, excuse me, although... Uh, McLaughlin never really looked like being beaten in that one, um, especially after Erebus had their pit stop dramas and cost David Reynolds 20 or 30 seconds. Um, It was a a decent race, but Sunday, man, when we saw that rain start sprinkling before the start of the race, I think everyone just got a bit of a grin because we all knew that something cool was about to happen and and we got that. It was a crazy, crazy afternoon in Townsville. You mentioned Shane Van Gisbergen. Hard to believe, but that's his first podium finish, let alone a win podium finish since the third round of the championship. Amazing. Uh, Simmons Plains Raceway in race eight of the year. So, a uh, remarkable streak of no results for him. But, didn't that race just showcase everything that's good and bad with Triple Eight at the moment? Because, when Gisberger gets the win, Jamie Winkup ends up in the fence, having run wide at turn six and, and damages the car enough that he can't continue. That just sums up their season. Like, they're they're hot and cold at the same time, that outfit, and, Van Gisbergen breaks a, a nine-race streak of not getting on the podium. Win Cup after a great drive on Saturday, ends up in the fence and out of the race. So this just, just a crazy day for that team. But so many good stories to come out of it. Bruce Mobile yeah. racing with two cars in the top 10. Their yeah. first top 10 finishes of the season, and it's a July. Um, Simona Di Silvestro in the top 10, and the Nissan could have been even better had she not had a spin a bit later on and when she was punted by Timmy Slade. Michael Caruso. Just all sorts. Oh, Michael Caruso. Best result no, for wiper. Yeah, he couldn't find the switch to turn the windscreen wiper on and the domicile wasn't working. So just ridiculous stuff going on. And that's what those races deliver. And um, we, we spoke last week about how the Austrian Grand Prix really invigorated Formula 1. Well, it was sort of an Austrian Grand Prix effect for supercars in a way.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, we don't begrudge Scotty winning everything, but... Um, it's nice to see a bit of a bit of an insane day like that, just to throw up some crazy results, and I oh, loved it. Really good race.
0: Uh, it was a it was a great race on Sunday, and it just had so many different, uh, as you said, factors to it in regards to not just exciting everyone about uh, supercars again, and just showing us exactly what racing can be like. But uh, yeah, it just uh, gave a little bit more confidence. It would have given a bit of confidence to some people who had been fairly down on confidence. I would have thought over the last uh, yeah,
1: couple well, of months. I think some. We've touched on Cam Waters uh, with Kim Edwards earlier in the show that Chaz Mostert was awesome and and his drive in the early stages of that race were absolutely superb and he blazed his way forward. He came away from the weekend with the third and the fifth, so he's been in the top six in the last four straight races and and going along very nicely. But this fight, for fair, I I wrote a column about it last week that it's going to be the fight of the season is who gets the final step on the podium because it's very unlikely anyone beats McLaughlin. It's slightly less unlikely than anyone beats Coulthard to second. So this fight the third, which at the moment has been Gisberg and Mostert, Reynolds, Wing Cup and Waters not that far behind, all covered by just a handful of points, and all of them in some degree of form and getting results. So that battle to the be best of the rest behind the Shelby Power forwards is going to be one of the great storylines. and there's a lot of water to go under the, under the bridge yet to um, to decide it all. So, you know, in a year when there's domination, you've got to look at and find other battles and find other storylines to follow. And and that storyline between those three teams and uh, everyone squabbling over third place is, I think, going to be pretty compelling.
0: The series moves on, as you've mentioned, uh, over the next uh, few weeks. We've got uh, Queensland Raceway to come, Pukakowi, and also the Bend all to come before the Enduros. Do you expect to see much different happen over the next three rounds?
1: Oh, no, not not really. You'd expect the Glocklanders to continue to score points, and if he can't win, finish second. Queensland Raceway will be an interesting one. That's their test track. It's the same for the Red Bull Holden Racing Team, and, and we didn't ask Tim Edwards that, and that was an oversight on my behalf, but I, I was keen to see where they felt like they were going to roll out at QR, um given their home track, Winton. So, that battle of the Ford Mustangs will be really interesting with one Queensland team versus the Victorian team, but um, there's no reason to expect that at the very least, Waters and it won't be somewhere in the ballpark as well and the other two blokes somewhere close behind. Um, that, that's going to be an interesting round. It's always pretty good racing at QR. The, the circuit gets maligned a lot and sometimes for good reasons, but uh, from a racetrack point of view, the layout generally promotes good racing. Um, Taylor Benz in August, that's that's going to be a great race meeting. Uh, second time the Supercars will have been there. Hard to look at the form guys for that venue because last year didn't give us much and uh, Red Bull Holden Racing Team were a dominant team there. But with their battles this season, will that roll over or will the Shell Fords be there? And then Puka Curry, so we've got this weird lead into the Enduros and where Puka Curry's is going to serve as the Bathurst warm up, which in a way is almost appropriate, Shebex, because is a wild, hairy, fast, ballsy, full Suburb. commitment racetrack. Yeah, and I don't know if that—I don't know if that sounds familiar, but it has got batters written all over it, doesn't it? So yes. if you go well at Puky, you should should go okay in the mountains. But yeah, what's what's look forward to busy busy period now. Like this is a this is a real rush to Mount Panorama with three rounds in seven or eight weeks, and then uh, then the enduro season kicks off in full swing.
0: The other thing that we didn't touch on, Richard, we should just do that before I let you go, is the uh, the fiery ball of flames that uh, engulfed uh, Brad Jones Racing mm. there at uh, at one stage with uh, Nick Perkett's car.
1: Yeah, it probably end up being the most replayed moment of the year, I would have thought, unless something crazy happens on the mountain, which, OK, probably will. Um, yeah, remarkable scenes, and we, we do need to send a shout-out to not only the volunteer officials who put their – sometimes, their lives on the line to, to protect the drivers and teams in pit lane when things like that happen, but also to all of the other teams that rushed to assistance at BJR, both at the BJR garage, but also up at the other end of pit lane where Nick Turkat was rolling up the lane to pit exit with the ZB Commodore on fire, and um, both Triple Eight and uh, and Shelby Car Racing dived in to, to help out, and, and I believe one of the guys that uh, dove on to that car from Shell V-Power Racing was actually Nick's former race mechanic when he was at Lucas Dunbar Motorsport. Oh, so it's, it's yeah, it's all in the family. It's, it's the motorsport one degree of separation. Um, but yeah, people did an outstanding job. And, and as you would expect from people in the sport, they're bitter bit rivals, but if something like that's going on, the rivalry doesn't matter. It's all about the, the safety of the driver and everyone around. And. Uh, Everyone did a super job diving onto the fire and and making sure it was put out at at both ends of pit lane. And and missed to everyone was um, Gary Jacobson having his own little barbecue (laughs) when the engine failed, and he's missing around the circuit. And we didn't capture that, but the thing exploded properly. had a big fire. So within the space of three minutes, we had three major fires um, on the wettest day we've ever seen in North Queensland for a supercar round. So it's a certain amount of irony there that only motor racing can provide.
0: Yeah, exactly right. Mate, always great to catch up. Uh, we'll do it again next week as we start our uh, run into the Enduros and what a, a great period that's going to be. Enjoyed your company up in Townsville, mate, and I look forward to doing it again soon.
1: Yeah, cracking weekend. Quick shout-out for the next round of TCR Australia this weekend at the Penn Motorsport Park in South Australia. That's going to be an interesting one. There's going to be some very interesting drivers, and Leanne Tander back on the grid, and a few more to be announced. So uh, looking forward to that, and, yep, it's, uh, it's a busy run home, so I'm looking forward to seeing who we can grab for a chat to preview Queensland Raceway, which is only a few weeks away.
0: Oh, we'll work hard to grab someone. Don't worry about that. Like it. All right, mate. That talk will. soon. Ciao. Richard Crowell joining us here on The Grid, and that wraps up another episode of On The Grid. Thank you for joining us, of course, powered by the Race Talk, and you can listen to it right here on mypodcasthouse.com, on iTunes, on iTunes on Spotify, whatever you're listening to. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll catch you again next week with another episode of On The Grid.